Good evening, Patriots. My voice is still a little bit ragged, but we'll get through this tonight. But it's coming back a lot better than it was the other day. So little by little, we get there. Patriots, before we begin tonight, MyPillow.com. That's one of the best places right now to get all your sleepwear, everything you need, and especially the MyPillow 2.0. Mike Lindell's done an amazing job of reinventing my pillow with my pillow 2.0 with a thread that's made in America. It's a heat um, regulating thread that he discovered, and he's using that. I'll just let him tell you all about it. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever, my pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. 
The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. And that's your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, MyPillow.com forward slash BARDS, promo code BARDS. Tons of great savings, tons of great products. Check it out. You will not be disappointed. So, you know, each of these Sundays is just kind of a recap of my name, the Walking with Jesus. And yet, it's been a good week overall. You know, I'm, I've been doing this 29-day fast. I'm in day 14, and I've got 15 more days to go. And it's just really interesting to see how this process has worked. I've been, um, you get to about right now, I, I mean, I I feel like I don't need ever, ever need food again. And a lot of this fast was just put on me by God to do two weeks ago in prayer. And he said 28, I said 29, because I like two and nine is 11. I like that number better. But I really think that a lot of what we discover we start to really discover a lot about ourselves. And with that, we start to learn how much we can do without and equally how fulfilling our relationship with God can be in a much deeper way. These last couple of weeks have been interesting. A lot of profound insights, a lot of profound moments. When I was back east, back there at the prophetic conference, just a lot of great people that I met all deeply pursuing Christ and pursuing that relationship with Father God. And people that are, I guess it's the thing is we we, talk, we say prophetic and people start to go like, you know, what a lot of people cringe at it. But these are profound people that you would never know. And you would never know they were considered prophetics. They're just speaking the word of God powerfully, and they don't make a big deal about it. And I and I think that's where what sets them off from a lot of the people that like to use it as a fanfare, especially people that try way too hard to be a quote prophetic. It's like they work overtime to try to prove to you that they have a gift which they may or may not have. The real message and messages we get from Father ultimately come from the purity of our heart. And that's just becoming more and more clear as I walk along. And in this walk of just looking in a balance of the world and just how pure the world really is, meaning the natural world, not the world that's corrupted by the hands of men. I spent the whole weekend up at at the ranch and uh, just had a really just a very quiet and amazing time. The weather is gorgeous right now. We're getting a lot of snow on Mount Scott, which is out of the view of the front window. And all over the property, you can see Mount Scott. And there's a lot of sleet and cold today. A type of day to really be out with the cattle, and that's the best days to be outside. Probably not the best days for me to be outside right now, but nonetheless, the best days to be outside. I'm a guy that grew up in Oregon, and this time of year is 
when I come alive. I don't like sun. I don't like hot summers. It drives me nuts. Hate hanging out at the beaches in the hot weather. Love Oregon beaches when the storms are up. Love Oregon beaches when it's rainy, cold, and the tides are crashing in around you. I love riding on an ATV when it's sleeting snow and it's muddy. I love jumping out in the mud in my muck boots. I like to get my hands cold and I like to make my face to be numb because then when you come inside at the end of the day, the reward for a hard day of work is just that warmth of being near the fire. Those are really a lot of the simple things in life that are very pure. They're not corrupted. They're not corrupted by us. They can't be. We can complain about them. A lot of too many people like to complain about the weather. I think it's a fad. I think the, and I think it's a purposeful thing. Purposeful thing. It gives them purpose. It gives them something to do in the middle of the winter. And it's retarded because the weather is out of our control and it's part of our existence and it's part of where you live. And, and this time of year, it's a gorgeous time of year. There's so much vibrance, so much alive, and there's this whole new rebirth that's happening right now as we turn into the early part of spring. The thing that I've been really putting on my heart lately is to go deeper. How do I go deeper with Christ? How do I find that deeper relationship with one that I already prize and value so much and cherish with Father? And someone just said, I need a shot of apple cider vinegar. If you knew how much apple cider vinegar I've been drinking in the last four days, that would be a shot would seem like a, a baby's sample. I think I've put down like a whole bottle. So yeah, I'm, I'm taking good care of my voice. It's just a matter of a few days to take care of this. But thank you for the concern. So, the uh, matter of fact, somebody asked me um, what I was drinking. And if you want to see what, I was, what I've been drinking daily, go to the Bart's Telegram room. Or, yeah, Mars Family Telegram. I did pin it up there, the, the kind of loose recipe mix of my daily tonic. It'll it'll light you up and clean you out at the same time. You won't have any problem. Highly recommended, though. It's a great drink. So anyway, I've been asking, really praying a lot into how to get deeper with Christ. And... Uh, That was is starting to be shown to me. And it's interesting because I had a couple of nights of some last couple of nights, not last night, but two nights before. The 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 two nights before is what I'm trying to say. I had some incredibly intense and vivid dreams. And on both occasions I woke up stunned. Not because of the dream but because in the dream where I was provoked to make a reaction, I didn't put Christ first. And it really shook me. And so I really prayed on it. I was like, Father, this is, you know, we can walk in life and we can say to ourselves, we're walking with Christ. But you know, there's this thing they, used to, they say that when you really 
are embracing something, it's when no one else is looking. And it shook me on that principle because I was asking myself, like, man, am I, am I living some lie here? Because those dreams were vivid and intense, and they and it provoked reactions out of me that were anything but Christ-like. And so last night I was given another dream. I'm crunching on a recoil if you're wondering if that's coming through the mic. Don't worry, it's not static. It's my recola getting crunched on my teeth. I'm putting another one in, so bear with me. And this is how God works, I think, in just another lesson of the many ways that he works. But I'm shown something that really shook me because it's not that I don't love Jesus. It's not that I don't pursue Jesus every day. But in a moment when I made a reaction in a dream, I could feel that my reaction wasn't Christ-like. And so what I was shown in a dream, and I'm not going to get totally into this because it gets pretty personal, but it'll get close, is that there was a part of my past in last night's dream. I was walking around this mall, literally going to go do an interview with somebody. How's that? For the podcast. And I left my cell phone when I left so no one could contact me. I ended up taking a bus to the meeting. I didn't know the guy's name. I didn't have a location to meet him at other than a vague location. And when I got to the mall, it's like saying like east side versus west side. And it was this massive, massive mall. And there was this bag around my ankle with a bear trap. And that's when right through there, it was what was in the bag and what the, what that bag ended up representing. I was shown what was holding me back. The literal, the virtual or metaphorical albatross. These are, um, I think these are important things to pay attention to because as we peel back layers and we repent, and I believe in deep repentance. You've heard me say that. I believe in inventorying our life before God, and every chance we get, it's an ongoing process of going through our life, and as things come up, we bring it before God, and we, we pray for repentance. That's how I live. And I've got enough stuff in my life to do that with. It'll probably keep me busy till the end of my days. But this was one that was right in my face. It was staring at me the whole time. That I think I knew. But I was willfully ignoring. Because it was, it's too difficult to get around. And that's no excuse. There is no mountain that we can't climb or overcome through Jesus. And that was the reminder. So this morning I spent working in prayer and even doing some deliverance on myself this morning and really shaking loose that albatross 
And there's still work to do. It didn't just happen in one sitting. But it's amazing how much more clear and freeing I am today. I credit a lot of this in the opening is when is through this fast because we take away that routine, which I do believe that food tends to dull our senses, especially the way we consume food in this modern culture. If you think about the billions of dollars spent on advertising to make you eat, it's insane. And so much of the food that we eat is not ritual in the sense that we don't, we don't take it as a gift from God. We don't look at it as part of the bounty that God gives us. We just consume. And I'm not pointing my finger at anybody tonight. I'm just saying as a culture in general. And I can prove that with one word, McDonald's. I don't, I, it's amazing. I never go by a McDonald's if there's not a line around the doggone thing. All to eat whatever the heck they is, is they produce. But that's the sidebar on that. I'm, and I'm only pointing that out because food becomes, the minute that we get a nudge, we feel hungry, we go eat. And interestingly, we just don't need what we think we need. Because as we lean into the spirit, we are so fully nurtured. And in that process, just like when you look at a plant growing, use this analogy. When you're looking at a plant, and we know that there is a good cycle of a plant to water and not to overwater, and to let the soil dry up a bit to harden and har- get the plant to harden and toughen up. So much of our cycle in food is about always overwatering. And so much of our cycle in life is about overwatering. But when we're leaning into God, it's always perfect. But it's that first few days that make it make it so difficult because we're dealing with so many things from food addiction to additives in food to our mental state of thinking we can't do without. And because food many times is an emotional crutch. And we need to find that our, when we start to work in, into a long-term fast, we're starting to align ourselves properly with the Holy Spirit and leaning into the Holy Spirit and letting that fulfill us as food sh- does, but as the spirit should normally. It's freeing. And in so doing, it's purifying. And as our minds start to clear and we're starting to lean into God, we're starting to hear the messages that I say are probably always there, but we're just dulled out and not paying attention. In the first two weeks, less than two weeks, the first 10 days, I had a lot of amazing encounters, but I didn't feel that I was as electrically charged with the Holy Spirit connection. That's the best way I can describe it. And yet, last week, from the comments I've received from you all, and just in retrospect of other conversations, the podcasts turned out well. And I put that to prayer. And this is, again, one of these places that we start to realize that 
we can become very dependent on that energized feeling of connecting with the Holy Spirit when in fact it should just be normal. I was with Paul, who's going to be on the show this week sometime. He's a pastor up in Portland. He's raised his children just to be open and connected to God. They are so free in their conversations with God and the Holy Spirit. And it's so beautiful to see because there's no there's no fakeness in it. It's just natural. There's no stage show. There's no... And, and they're happy to even prophesize over people. Whether you buy into that or not, it's not is not the point. It's that that's how they are. And I totally respect it and love the things and the messages they bring. It just reminds me, as Christ said, that we needed to be like children. And it isn't to be innocent. It's to have our minds so free and connected with, with God and so connected with the kingdom and so connected with Jesus that it isn't the barriers that we put up between ourselves in that. We are spiritual beings in in a physical body, not a physical body trying to get into a spiritual being to leave. And that's so much of the framing of the way that we are talking in Scripture. It's always about, Jesus, take me away. I can't wait to get out of here. And, of course, I ask the question, which I think should be asked at every church. If you're such a hurry to get out of here, then why the heck are you here to begin with? I can't think of a greater time to live. I can't think of a more beautiful time to be walking on this earth than to see so many awakening in their love of Christ. The revivals that are happening all over the world right now, all over, not just in the United States. And it's a pursuit of the love of Christ without the restraints or the framing to tell you how you have to do it or what it has to look like. It's that amazing encounter of the first love. And it's beautiful. And it's just the presence. There isn't a structure going on to tell you that you must do A, B, C first. It's the experience and the power of the Holy Spirit that just is an awakening in people's soul. And it's beautiful. And that's the spark that we all need to be seeking. As I sat up there on that property the last couple of days, doing a lot of different work, and just looking at the environment, listening to the cows moan because they weren't apparently thinking they weren't going to get they weren't getting their fair share of hay as they have a whole field of hay to eat, but we have good grass up there, but they're lazy. And that's okay. They can be lazy. They're not going to get a choice anyway. They better start eating. <laughs> They'll figure it out. But it's like every time I come to a property, there's a hawk that meets me. And I always get the screech from the hawk. And that hawk was there when I first looked at the property almost a year ago. I walked onto that property and that hawk met me at the gate. 
And as I walked around the entire property, that hawk stayed ahead of me. And when I finished walking the whole 80 acres, that hawk still was with me. And every time I go up there, that hawk is there. Has a lot of very special, deep meaning to me, which I won't get into tonight. But but there's a life there. There's a presence of the Holy Spirit there. And everything there, even the cattle, it's all perfect. We had to fix some fences this weekend. And um, because the, the calves have figured out that they could get through the old fence, which really wasn't built for cattle. It was more built for horses. And the, ca- the calves, when you watch them, are like kids. And I know those of you that raise, that raise animals and raise this know exactly what I'm talking about. They are goofy as can be. You drive up and they just kind of look at you and then they like to saunter in front of your vehicle or run up the hill. That is until you chase them on the ATV and then they don't like that and they get out of the way. But they're just, they run around, they kick, they, they kick around, they, they, they play grab the tail. <laughs> and it's like you, you, can, you can mirror into the behavior of a child. So last night I stepped out as the sun was going down. It's getting, it was pretty cold. Like I said, we've been getting bittens of rain and sleet all weekend. And I looked down in the back pasture and there was mama cow and there was baby calf right next to her, both lying down. I was just thinking how the whole issue that we are seem to be trying to figure out as a human species of what a mother is and what it is to nurture a child. Those retarded thoughts never cross the minds of these animals. When a cow loses a calf, it, it mourns it. When you slaughter one of their own, when you kill it, they mourn it and they all say goodbye. They do a dance. That's why so often in the butcheries, they pull the animals away from each other into kill rooms. But if you're out on the farm and you just shoot the cow and it falls and you're bleeding it out, they all need to come up and say goodbye. It doesn't shock them, but they need to say goodbye. There is a living reality to them that somehow in this human existence, we've absolutely destroyed. It's a connectedness in the process of life and death that they respect in animals that we too often think are dumb. There is a human intelligence, but there is also a natural intelligence. We don't do well on the IQ scale of natural intelligence. We do pretty well on the human intelligence scale, though that sometimes leads to destruction, probably more times than not. But in the cycle of life, when you watch it, we try to put that somehow outside of faith. But God made all that. 
God created all of that. So if we hear somebody talking about the importance of the presence of a hawk or the cycle of life, in this day and age, you would be amazed at how many cringe and say, oh, that sounds pretty new agey. Are you, are you dealing with a shaman? Again, just dumb programming. God made all of that. God made the perfection of this world, not the perfection of these cities. And I don't think they're going to be any better in these 10 new cities Trump wants either. But in the perfection of the world in which we're supposed to be stewarding. We're supposed to be stewarding all of this. Each one of us. And that's part of Occupy, Expand, and Subdue. We don't have to subdue with the sword of the steel. But when we're walking with the sword of the spirit, I guess I would ask everyone to ask yourself this question. What does it look like to you to walk with the sword of the spirit? Does it mean that the only time you wield the sword of the spirit is when you're at a school board meeting trying to get pornography books off the shelves? Does it mean sort of the spirit only when you're converting somebody to accept, to lead them to Christ? Or is it greater than all of that? Is it greater in the sense of how we walk, how we observe, how we interact, how we are in the moment, in the world, in the perfection of this great world that God created? It's too easy to get wrapped up into asphalt and concrete. Too easy to get wrapped up in the four-wheeled rubber tires on the road or synthetic rubber in this day. And the rushes to get places that in the end mean nothing. We're such a hurry to get places that in the end will mean nothing at all. And when we are held accountable in heaven, in that judgment for every single thing that we have done, Do you think that God's going to care that you are five minutes late or early for an appointment? Or that you cut off somebody on the freeway because you were late to a luncheon with your friends? When we start to walk in that space of kingdom, things slow down a bit. They slow down to the pace in which humankind should be participating. My grandfather was a sheep rancher. My dad didn't pick up that trade. So much of what my grandfather was was passed through my father to me. And I'm blessed. He was a beautiful and amazing man. And I'm finding something in this whole process now that's been asleep within me. It's the process of understanding him more. I know now why he lived out of a sheep wagon. I know now why he rode, was always on the back of a horse if he had a choice. I understand his passion for what he did away from everybody, his brother and his dog. I still have his rifle. 
It's in the same leather scabbard that he carried on his horse. It's a 300 Savage Model 99. He was a master shot with it. He was known to be able to shoot a jackrabbit at full sprint across the prairie while at full stride on his horse to draw from the scabbard and shoot this jackrabbit. Those are things of people think of mystical legend today. It was just part of the life then. But there's something other, other that I'm now beginning to realize. All of those were the things that we could point to. But there was something deeper. It was the presence of God. It was the presence of God in all things that kept him there. It wasn't the God confined in the walls of the church. It wasn't the Sunday sermon that talked about what you needed to do to keep yourself clean until the next week, telling you you're going to sin all week, come back again to get cleaned up. It was the daily, living, breathing God. The one that we're accountable to all the time. And it was the life of accountability. I know in this last few weeks, what's become very clear to me is it's funny what that there's going to be a lot of cattle in my life. I won't do sheep. I'll do cattle. Sheep are his. At least I wouldn't say I won't. It's not on my radar yet. But it's the experience of living outside, of being connected, not holed up on carpet and sticks and sheetrock and concrete. And it's that breathing experience where we connect so deeply with him at all times. It's not dramatic. It's not that moment where suddenly you're on your knees and you're crying and Christ is before you and touching you. Those are beautiful moments, but rather than that, it's the the normalcy of Christ being present at all times. And the watching the living creation of our Father. There's a lot of chatter now about trying to remake America. Trump's proposed these 10 cities as somehow that's going to be the quantum leap forward for the country. Given that a lot of thought, I'm not interested. The quantum leap forward for America is getting back to the beautiful America that we had that appreciated this beautiful land for what it was. To return to that gloriful and beautiful place where the earth is part of our life. And I don't just mean in a metaphor, but physical dirt and the living things that go with it. Where the hunt is real. Where the consequences of life are real and the challenges are equally real. To overcome, not because you've got a better app on your phone, not because you can call in some robot dog or a, a drone, 
because with your hands, you innovate, you build, you create, and you do. 24 head in my herd right now. It'll grow. 24 head in the herd that Father has allowed me to steward is what that is actually saying. Like everything else in my life, I own nothing. He owns everything. I only steward it for the time that I'm here. And I'm blessed with what he's allowed me to steward. And if God is willing, then he'll allow me to steward more. We'll see. Eight of those cattle right now are destined for, for slaughter. Four in the fall and four in the following spring. Each one has a personality. Each one will become meat in the freezer. Because that's part of stewardship. That's what he gave us as part of our responsibility on this earth. Not to be cruel, but rather to be good stewards. And with that, to be good stewards of the bounty that we receive to also ensure that others share with it. That's all we need to make America great again. I don't need any promises of great new cities. It might be better if we just cleaned up the mess we currently have. I don't need any promises of being packed in like sardines more than we already are and think that somehow it's going to be better than it was because it won't. We just need more time with the world and the perfection of the world that God gave us to get to know it, to get to appreciate it, and to get to love it. I would encourage everyone just to take a walk each week into the wild, wherever you are. Find some quiet places to go and just listen to a waterfall, listen to a creek, listen to the wind blow through the trees. There's a language. When we say those things again, so much of the doctrinal Christianity will say, that sounds like shaman stuff. It's not. It's life. It's the world, again, that God created. And that world has a language that we need to understand. A language that we used to understand because all of it was part of God's voice. All of it was part of the way God spoke to us. Not just a voice in our head or in our heart or an aberration of Jesus before us. But again, it's what the cowboys understood. It's what those on the open range understood. And it's what some still understand. It's what the Native Americans understood as well. So in this amazing time that we live, and it is an amazing time, where so much revival is happening, 
I think it's important that we pray into that revival. We pray that it just doesn't stay within the four walls of a church, but that it spills over into the world to consume us, to awaken our hearts to the glory of all that God's created, not to try to build another Babylon or a tower to heaven, but to get more simple in the way we live, to be better stewards with all that we do, and to be conscious that in all things that God created, we are all connected. Let's pray. Father, just want to thank you again from my heart for an amazing week and weekend to reflect so deeply on the world that you've created and the perfection in all things. In this time where revival is breaking out across the world, May you hear our prayers and let that revival not be contained within the walls of the church, but rather to spill over into the world and to take our hearts far beyond those walls into the world, to start looking with eyes that see clearly the magnificence of all you created and not be dazzled by the shiny silver objects of the things that man puts before us to take us away from that perfection by your hands. In this world that we live, Father, it's not greater but lesser in our world. Lesser that we need, greater that we learn through you. May we have that lesson and wisdom placed upon us to realize that the material world that we've grown up in the fulfillment through material things, the fulfillment through work that means little other than a paycheck is a world we need to choose to leave behind. And we have a choice if we're courageous enough to choose it. So, Father, we just pray this evening for that strength and that courage to choose a life that's a bit simpler more connected, to pursue a life that amplifies the gifts and the talents which you've placed upon us, and in so doing, to awaken our hearts to the glory of all that you've created in such a deeper way, to see the living, breathing God around us all the time, and to have the encounters not as a one-off, but as a living experience as part of what we walk and how we live. Guide us. Forgive us for our transgressions, as we've had many. Awaken our hearts to the glory of the power of repentance and forgiveness to set us free into a world that's unimaginable by ourselves, but only realized through our relationship through you. Guide us. Lead us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So I just encourage everybody to spend some time outside. 
seek the gifts and talents that God put upon your heart and have been there. There seems to be a time when so much of that is awakening. And it's layers. We go to one level and we discover something deeper. And we go to there and we discover something deeper. Reminds me of a, a lesson I received from Master Chun Li, who was a Korean master in Taekwondo. Great man. And he said to me one day, he said, you can study any art, but when you get to my level, it's all the same. And I struggled with that for a long time until I realized that it was never about the art. It was always about the awakening of the heart. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never body evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow evening. For Bards FM, Duncan is going to be doing Bended Knee this week. So until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
chasing mountains I can't climb. Holding out for heroes in the night. I find myself here in the dark. We learn to fight and learn who we are. But I am raised up to face the stars full of light. And we are one. Makes you shiver and I chase the winter out of my mind like a dark in the distance. Wild. We are wild. Standing at the edge of a great sea. Sometimes it takes all you get to believe You're all here in the dark We learn to fight when we fall apart But we are raised up to face the stars Out of my mind